1: From Gimlet, this is The Pitch. I'm Josh Muccio. On this show, we hear real entrepreneurs pitch real investors for real money. It comes down to that critical moment when founders put it all on the line and investors decide their fate. You could do gambling in a hotel room in Vegas.
2: (laughs) That's not convincing to me.
3: Can Can I talk? Okay. First of all, shame on you.
1: This week, an entrepreneur pitches his idea to reinvent the hotel experience. But when things don't go according to plan, will our startup founder be able to throw out his script and adjust on the fly? First, let's meet our panel of investors. I'm Phil Nadell with Barbara Corcoran Venture Partners. Our first investor is Phil Nadell. He co-founded one of the largest syndicates on AngelList, called Barbara Corcoran Venture Partners. If for some reason the members don't bite, then the thing falls apart. Phil is a straight shooter looking for companies without a lot of question marks.
3: This is Jillian Manis. My fund is Structure Capital.
1: Then there's Jillian Manis. Jillian is something of a legend in the world of venture capital. In her early 20s, she survived domestic abuse that left her living in shelters in New York City. She was able to pick herself up Start several companies and is now a multimillionaire.
3: You can have the most incredible product, but if you don't know how to talk about it, you're gonna have a problem accelerating it.
1: Jillian tends to take center stage and really drive the conversation. My name's Jake Chapman with Gelt Venture Capital. This is Jake Chapman. He founded the venture arm of Gelt Inc., an investment firm with over a billion dollars in assets under management. They're going to shut you down on that name. It's definitely trademark infringement. As a former attorney, Jake brings the lawyerly mindset into a pitch. If a founder can hold up under cross-examination, he might just invest. Hey, I'm Howie Diamond. That's Howie, who founded the VC firm Ranch Ventures. There needs to be a moral and ethical kind of code that's that's aligned. Howie is looking for altruistic companies. He'll only go in on a startup that's making the world a better place. I'm Shiel, a partner at 500 Startups. Joining us this week is Shiel Manat, he broke into the big leagues of venture capital when he sold his company, Fee Fighters, to Groupon. This isn't gonna work. You should do something else, seriously. You can always count on Shield to say exactly what he's thinking, and he appreciates the same candor in an entrepreneur. Okay, on with the pitch.
2: Hey, how are you? Hey. Hi.
3: Hi, oh. Right, you're hey. here, Peter. Right? You?
1: When today's founder, Peter Bokoff, walks into the room it quickly becomes clear that he's got this demeanor you don't often see in someone about to pitch their company. He's extremely laid back.
4: All right, cool. So my name is Peter. Uh, we invented the iMirror, which is a Minority Report-style interface on a mirror for hotels. I spent a lot of time growing up in hotels. My parents were managers of hotels, so the staff were like my family. I spent a lot of time in unbooked rooms watching TV and ordering way too much room service, but I absolutely loved it.
1: While growing up in hotels, Peter learned firsthand just how much goes into guest services. And he was constantly thinking about how to improve the hotel
4: experience. So fast forward 20 years, uh, watching a conceptual video um, made by Corning called The Day Made of Glass. Some of you may have seen it. Yeah, saw that video, yeah. So Peter
1: sees this video, and it looks like something pulled out of a futuristic sci-fi movie. It shows a family's home outfitted top to bottom with interactive glass— The kitchen counter, the fridge, the bathroom mirror, every window, it's all interactive and touch-enabled. And this is when Peter has his eureka
4: moment. And I immediately thought, this can change the way customer service is done in a hotel room. Hotels haven't been disrupted since widely adoption of the TV in like the 1950s. So think back the last time you were walking to a hotel room, there's that closet on your left or your right, and the mirror across from it. If you could tap on that mirror, order room service, book shows, book an Uber, change the lighting, play some music, you can even check out on the mirror. That's what we built. We're raising a million seed to roll up 5,000 mirrors um, to hotels.
1: At this point, Peter opens up his laptop and presses play on a video that shows investors just what iMirror can do the investors begin to narrate what they see on the screen. Walking <laughs> through Vegas, it's <laughs> ultimate. the ultimate immersive guest experience. Right, two people walk into Oh, the room. there's a virtual concierge, two people walk oh, look, there's Someone mirror, touches can... the surface of the eye and a list of options pops up.
3: It says oh, here, room service yeah, okay. on the mirror, or all these other things. Oh, and all the food. photos of the food that I can yeah. order, so I just touch it with my finger, and immediately your food will be up on the mirror. It says your food will be up in 30 minutes.
4: So instead of that old button,
1: now someone is playing a slot machine on the mirror, and this is when Sheil, who's normally pretty skeptical, leans forward and starts to get really animated. Oh, I like that! I like this. So this can you like you can game game you can game game actually
5: game. like gamble in the room? Yeah, that's a live demo. It's <laughs> live. Yeah, is that real money gaming they're doing on the
4: thing or no? This would be. Okay. Um, so the hotel so at Las Vegas. Fake. You Euro could do game. gambling in a hotel room in Vegas. As long as we've connected and we disabled the one on the floor. Oh. On the casino floor. You just can't have more, you just can't add... um, Yeah, more units.
3: units. For for Las Vegas, it adds gambling time. So not only do you get them down the casino, but you also, once they get to the room, they're all drunk already, then they start playing with the mirror. I
5: have one in the weeds UX comment about using the mirror in the hotels
1: for room service. This is Jake, our former lawyer, who tends to obsess about the tiny details. I think you might run into a
5: problem where people who are looking at themselves in the mirror and then <laughs> choosing food. I'm serious. I think this is going to reduce the conversion uh, you know of food what? orders in hotel rooms. Sure. And it's a
2: bit no. in the weeds. I think you might no. see that. No. Or maybe yeah. based on like your body type, they'll recommend different foods for you. Go with yeah.
1: the salad. Or not to eat the at dinner. all. Go <laughs> with
5: the, <laughs> salad. <laughs> <I think laughs> the salad. I
2: was thinking Are you sure you yeah. <laughs>
1: The investors are starting to have fun, which can be a sign that they're getting excited about an idea. But before they get too carried away, Peter takes control and steers them back to his pitch.
4: With a mirror, you spend on average 18 minutes a day looking in a mirror, and no one is competing for your attention on that. And my six- and four-year-old niece and nephew walk up to the mirror, immediately saw themselves, and started swiping through photos.
1: So Peter has shown his promo video and talked up the iMirror's features. But Jillian, who always keeps an eye on the big picture— Moves past the slick presentation to get to the heart of what Peter is really selling.
3: So, I always like to hear from founders what is your best question you've ever gotten from a VC that really helped you to distill your either your pitch or something that you wanted to let us know, but we weren't asking the right questions?
4: Um, it wasn't a VC, but it was robbed okay. from 500 startups. Okay. And he really wanted to instill, telling the story of, because people don't understand that it's a pain point in a hotel room. Yes. Um, but the hotels are suffering a lot by not being able to reach millennials.
3: Ah, uh, ah.
4: Um, their demographic is aging. Mm-hmm. And they're having a really tough time competing and getting millennials to come in, spend many hotels. Mm-hmm. And, and want to be there. Mm-hmm.
3: Why do we need this? Why is it important to me? Not to me because I'm clearly not a millennial. For everybody who's now listening to this, in case you wondered, I'm not a millennial. Um, actually, none of us are. We decided. Weird. I'm on the cusp. We decided. You're on the, you're on the cusp. I'm on the cusp. Uh, okay, I'm cusping. All the, I'm a cusp. No, We're cusping. So it's the why. It's it's not what and how. It's it's why. Tell me why this is going to be. Let's pretend I'm a millennial. I've invested in hotels. I own some hotels. I know this space pretty well. Yeah. So explain to me what's the why to them, because it's cool, it has to be more than that.
4: No, it's extremely personalized experience for you. So based on your loyalty program and the information we you know about you in the room, right. we can give you a personalized experience, concierge, service to you in the room.
3: Right, so when I return, as a repeat cl- right customer, yeah. everything will already be there. So... Just for everybody here, what hotels do after you leave a room, they literally go in, they count how many towels you use, what portion of the meal that you've eaten, they, they, how much of the soap that you've used, everything, and then they store it. And that's how they've been collecting data for years.
1: Peter is pitching iMir as a personalized
3: in-room concierge and entertainment hub for guests, but Jillian has a different vision. Because for a hotel, yes, the customer is fantastic. But everything that comes before and after that, before they check in and after they leave, is actually some of the most important data that we want to capture. And so I think that needs to be part of this. This is not only for your, you know, for for your consumers, actually for the hotel efficiency. And that's a bigger play. See, I think you need to incorporate that into your pitch
5: really interesting. I mean, I know I've talked, to a, I've talked to a gentleman who used to run hospitality for the Ritz Carlton. Oh, yeah. And he was talking about this, that they would come into the room afterwards, oh,
3: yeah.
2: and
5: if you had moved the waste bin from next to the desk oh, yeah. to at the foot of the bed, That's- the next time you stay at a Ritz, the waste bin will be at the foot of the bed, because yeah. they've come in and cataloged your personal preferences. Right. But I'm sure it's paper and pen. It- so a system that was just a touch screen for the
4: housekeeping staff. And when housekeeping walks in, it yes. can bring up all the information of things specific to you that you they might want to do well, for for the, future reference. Yeah. So Jake
1: says hotels are stuck on paper and pen when it comes to collecting data, and the investors like the idea of bringing hospitality into the 21st century. Here's Howie.
2: Does it even need to be a mirror? Could it just be something that's on the wall or install or that could be portable cuz I actually kind of like ordering food from bed or I like doing things.
3: Okay, we don't have wherever.
4: to get up, to get mirror. up from There's from, a complimentary from, app to it, so if you want to do that on your phone, you can. If you um, wanna add an
2: iPad to the room, you can. So why not just have it all on the app?
4: In a room, if I walk past that mirror and it says hello to me and has my name on there and says I can do some things and prompts me to interact and I can change the lighting, turn on a song. Everything
2: you described can happen on an iPad, but you're focused, you're saying that it should happen in a, on a mirror, on a wall. Yeah. That's not convincing to me.
0: Where is
4: it live right now? We have uh, live in retail. We have one big client that we have an NDA with, and then we launch with Tommy Hilfiger, their store of the future, in two weeks. So the Eye mirror isn't just an idea. It's
1: already a reality. Not in hotels, but in retail stores.
4: It's, it's basically a concierge fitting room experience. Bye. The items pop up right on the screen. And you can learn more about the item or you can ask for a different color and size. That information gets sent directly to the store associate. They respond and they say, I'm coming in one to two or two to three minutes. And then they bring your item back.
2: So you started in retail, but now you're moving to hotels. Why?
4: Right. Um, So hotel was always the vision. We just had our first big break with an international retailer. Um, so it allowed us to get to commercialization mm. and learn all the stuff we need to learn. So we'll be rolling out more mirrors in those as we go, but we're looking to do a pilot in hotels to start. So Peter
1: says hotels were always the vision. And the only reason he launched in retail is because a retail client saw his product and wanted to buy it for 450,000. But the question is, now that he's finally pursuing the hotel market, will he keep going in retail?
5: So the customer who paid you four hundred and fifty k, they are in retail? Yeah. And for how many? We have five uh, units out with them. Five units. Um, and how many mirrors could they possibly represent? They have 330 stores.
4: You're currently deployed. Those five mirrors are currently deployed in how many stores? It's in five different stores. Seoul, South Korea, Mall of America, Santa Monica, Vancouver. They've got analytics on how many people touch the mirror. A day, so the flagship store launched in New York. Um, in first eleven days, had uh, it was over twenty thousand interactions. Uh, twenty thousand
1: interactions with the mirror in eleven days sounds pretty good. Peter may not mean to, but he's making a good case for why his mirrors really belong in retail. And iMirror is about to debut at one of Tommy Hilfiger's most prestigious locations. Tommy
4: Hilfiger is doing their own marketing and branding for their store of the future. Okay, It's in the biggest shopping mall in London, West Stratford.
3: Right. If that is successful, how, what does success look like?
4: For them, it's 700 stores. So for us, that's um, at least 700 units. Right. Got, but um, you're only
3: launching in one store, so... Or it's one store, and based on the success of that store, then they will do another...
4: Yeah, so it would take... Five years to roll out to their whole fleet. Right. Um, And it would be staged over the five years. Even if we did 10 mirrors a store, that's 7,000. But if you get the Venetian, one hotel in one market, that's 7,200 rooms. It's one of the reasons that we don't think retail is the right spot. Okay. You just need one hotel. Did you catch that? Peter says, despite his early
1: success, he doesn't think retail is ultimately the right spot for iMirror which means he's asking investors to buy into his plan for hotels, a market he hasn't yet
4: proven.
2: Have you had conversations with the hotel? Like, how far along are you in the sales cycle with hotels?
4: We've been meeting with MGM oh, on the 27th, okay. I think we just booked.
2: Okay, so you're but just, just starting to
4: have these conversations. Yeah, so this is just, we're just pushing into that.
3: Let me go back to retail, mm-hmm. okay, for a second. Sure. I like the idea of this being in a dressing room. There are many times we are in a dressing room where you need another size and you have to stick your head out or go around half naked. The other part of it is, can you buy while you're there? Is it a point of purchase? So can you pay for it as well in the dressing room? Oh, I like this, and not have to wait for someone else. You just walk in, love it, pay for it, take your bag and leave.
4: Yeah, so on our on our roadmap, it's in the next six to eight months to finish that developing it.
3: That Current, would be a game changer yeah. for retail.
4: The cost for us to do a 10 mirror pilot in a hotel... Is not significant enough for us not to do it. So that's our plan right now: is to do a ten mirror pilot and then test it out. So it is what we're passionate about right now. Yeah, we're not stopping the retail side, and you are we're just not as aggressively pursuing it.
3: Okay.
1: It's decision time. Has Peter talked investors into his vision of hotels as the future for iMirror? Howie's up first.
2: If you should, if you should give me a demo and I was just like completely blown away, I'd probably, you know, that would be, there'd be a higher probability for me to want to go in on this deal. I, I, I still think that I'm more bullish on, like like the mirror aspect of it, the form factor, sort of, sees, sort of seems like a little bit of a red herring in terms of like the actual problem that you're solving. Uh, I think the problem could be solvable in a way with like, in a way with much less less friction in terms of just really a pure play software. Mm-hmm. That would be something that I would be more excited about. Um, so I think for those reasons, I'm going to pass. Okay.
1: Okay, Howie's out. Phil's up next. He's been quiet in this pitch, and it's hard to tell which way he's leaning.
5: I really have to agree with you. Uh, I have serious concerns because of the form factor. It just doesn't get me uh, that excited. And also... Just from your your, your traction standpoint, I mean, having started kind of in retail and now shifting your focus, let's say to hotels, where you, you don't yet have a foot in the door, for me, I'm gonna I'm gonna pass.
1: Okay. So Phil passed.
5: Here's Jake. For me, whenever it's a physical product, I I look at it through the lens of me as the consumer. Would I use this? And I'm thinking of myself in a Vegas hotel room, like. I'm not gonna want to stand in front of that mirror and interact. Like I, I never see myself doing that. Um, maybe I try it, to avoid mirrors yeah, but, at all costs. Yeah, you know, look like all, me, you want to <laughs> avoid
4: mirrors. To be fair, though, there's four of the wrong gender sitting in front of me for spending time in front of a mirror. Oh yeah, no.
5: So yeah. I, I wouldn't use it in that in that context. Um, so it, it's just hard for me to get over that. Um, I, I really like the idea that Jillian pitched, which is just the data collection for hotels. But if that's the product, I think we're really talking about an app that you get
4: the housekeeping staff to download. I do feel you guys are potentially thinking that someone—I'm pitching you an iPhone, and you're telling me that people want to use a BlackBerry in the room.
3: Oh, and that, that fo- is And that form factor so and unfair. user
4: experience doesn't matter.
3: Peter, shame form, on form you. Form factor and user experience <laughs> are
4: incredibly important. Yes, um, so okay. I, I, I do feel like you're trying to tell uh, me that they want to use a BlackBerry can, in the room, which can
3: is I, Can I talk? Correct. Okay. First of all, shame on you. Um, <laughs> and I'm Canadian
4: too. Yeah, so yeah.
3: Double shame on you.
4: Up
1: until this point, Jillian's been pretty responsive to this pitch. She highlighted what data brings to the equation, and she really keyed in to the retail side of things. But she did not like that iPhone versus BlackBerry comment.
3: Here's the thing. We all start companies for millennials. I actually, I'm worried about this in the hotel space simply because one, I've invested into and I have investments into Las Vegas hotels, A. Mm. B, I have hotels all over the country and in fact, two overseas. So I do know the hotel business. I do know millennials. First of all, with the millennials, I worry that they don't spend that much time in the hotel room. It's all about getting outside of the hotel. They go in, they do their hair, they do their makeup, and then they do everything else because they want to network. I mean, they, they want to be where the action is. And the action is not in their hotels until after they're drunk, and then the action's in the hotels. But that's different. That's a different action. But, um, okay, let me do the flip side of this. In the retail space, I think that's your market. Okay, I think there is so much that you could add to the services of those mirrors in those dressing rooms, you know, and it is such a huge value to brands. It's the point of purchase. It is simply that. So I would love to see this more really dive deeply into retail rather than divert your attention and your dollars to hotel. And that's the reason why I won't. I'm going to pass.
1: So four of the five investors are out. Peter's last chance is with Sheel, who was the first one to really get into the in-room gambling concept. I,
0: I tend to agree with Jillian. I think there's probably an opportunity in retail. Although it's a lot less in numbers, you can probably charge a lot more. You can yeah. probably have a higher profit margin on that retail yeah. side.
3: And then you're getting a percentage of every sale.
5: I think the cross-selling opportunities are huge too, right? Like, you you should definitely get a cut of every time you sell a pair of shoes to match a pair of pants, right? Um,
3: There's a lot, a lot of opportunity in retail. I really want you to think about that.
1: So S.H.I.E.L.D. didn't exactly say it, but he's out. Like the other investors, he's more excited about retail. So the thing is, like, retailers and malls, like, I talk to them all the time, they're always, like— what is something that's going to get me get people into the mall and so i think you have a buyer in retailers and malls
0: that are just like hungry for any technology yes, yes. and so i think there's probably much more so than hotels are
3: yes
0: um so i, I think I think it's a much more receptive audience. Yeah, yeah we have a ton of traction in retail. So it.
3: go do the retail and see how that works. Yeah. Raise this around the retail, and then if we can prove this and really, really dominate this market, then we're going to go into
4: hotels. I agree with everyone on the retail, and then I respectfully
3: okay. disagree on the
4: hotel. Well, I, I think you'd be very surprised.
3: So this is one opinion. What I say about opinions are if you hear opinion once, it's still an opinion. If you hear opinion twice, it's still opinion. If you hear an opinion three times, that's a consensus, and that's something, then you do something about it. Well, Peter, we loved having you. Thank and you, I thank want you. you to succeed. And I think that as you launch in Tommy, I'd love to you to come back to me on this because mm. I'd love to really see how that launch goes. But thank you. Yeah. Appreciate it. Thanks for being it. here. Good job yeah. yeah. with the presentation.
0: Good job. Thank really
3: you for good having having me. Me. Yeah. Thanks.
2: And next time, bring a mirror. Yeah, bring a mirror. So Peter
1: didn't get the funding he hoped for. He walks out of the room, but investors keep chatting about the pitch. Surprisingly, they can't stop talking about how much they love iMirror. Just not the way Peter pitched it. It's cool, cool technology, but... Uh
3: telling you, he's missing this. He is missing this. This is so huge.
2: Retail's the way to go.
1: Unfortunately, the retail side of things isn't what Peter pitched today. After the break, we'll find out how things are going with iMir and whether Peter was right to stick to his guns about hotels.
0: Stay with us. Startups, you don't need to settle for a cumbersome banking experience to protect your money.
2: Welcome back. A
1: few months after his pitch, I sat down with Peter to catch up on how things are going with iMirror. How's business in general? What's happened since you came on?
4: Uh, yeah, things are really good. The world of retail has started to, it's almost like we were two years too early and now we're just right in the thick of this. Uh, everyone needs to innovate. I get, I get emails whenever there's anything mentioned about store of the future or innovation of retail or digital concepts and so it seems like we've fallen right into the middle of it all. So I guess the best way to put it is our funnel is pretty full. All right, so getting into the pitch, obviously none of the investors on our show
1: were interested in investing at the time. Mm-hmm. I first of all, I just want to get your take on how well, like what what do you think happened in the room? Why didn't they invest?
4: I think I had the wrong approach coming in as far as talking about this exciting portion of our business that I think we want to explore, which is the hospitality side and and doing a small pilot on there and getting some hotels you're talking about. Yeah, sorry, hotels and getting getting some information back on whether or not that's a a viable opportunity. And that's that's really a small part of what we do because we're all of our traction is in retail and focus in retail. And so I was getting feedback in the room like, you should focus on retail. And I kept trying to say, like, that's where we do ninety eight percent of our stuff. Um and I think I didn't position the beginning saying, hey we make all of our money in retail and we're raising money to accelerate the growth on the retail side and try a little test here.
1: Do you think you were in error in going so far down that hotel? I mean, you were down that path and almost seemed like you were like ready to kind of let go of the retail side.
4: I think the thing is that knowing your audience going in is one thing, but reading them in the moment is different. And I perhaps didn't... I didn't adjust quickly enough or I didn't read it quickly enough to transition or, or to claw it back from the direction I was going. I was committed to the way I was going to pitch it, and there were two options of the ways to do it. And um, I think I got a little bit unlucky, and I think I also didn't, didn't uh, adapt quickly enough, which, which is fine. That's probably what I learned the most out of it. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: so no, like no clients on the hotel side yet?
4: No. Okay. We want to keep our retail clients happy first. No, I think that's smart. And I think
1: that's what the investors were getting at in the room. Because, I mean, hearing you now, it sounds like you completely agree with them. But in the pitch, in that room, you were really defending the opportunity in hotels. And they were like, well, you have traction in retail. Just keep going for it.
4: Yeah, I might have felt that they were saying there wasn't an opportunity in hotel. And I do fundamentally disagree with that. So that's probably where I was uh, digging in my heels. and, um. For me, sometimes, you know, you hear all the time that the thing that people have the hardest time connecting the dots to is often the biggest opportunity, and I, I you know, I would stick by that.
1: I mean, you certainly stick stuck by it in your pitch. <laughs> Good. Um, <laughs> I'm stubborn. <laughs> yeah. I think the investors got that, and I think it, um, I think maybe it rubbed them the wrong way. I mean, do you, like, did
4: you sense that in the room? To be blunt, I felt that one person kind of controlled the conversation and led the direction, um, and I was having troubles following even the path and the, the sequencing of the conversation. Um, so, Really? I'm not sure that it was five people telling me the same thing aggressively as much as I did feel there was, there was a stronger voice in the room. And um, she and I may not have hit it off directly, So, which is fine. Have you reached out to Jillian since the pitch? No, I haven't. I haven't talked to anyone.
1: Well, what's funny is I'm totally picturing an alternative reality of this conversation where you said, you know what, I walked away from that and realized retail really is the way to go. And so we've been diving into that 100% and it's totally paying off (laughs) because it's just very different
4: picture than, you know, what we saw on the pitch. I'm confused because I didn't need convincing that retail was the way to go. So um, I think I didn't articulate well enough that that is our car focus. Yeah. Well, hey, I mean, you were
1: obviously killing it on the retail side, which is exactly what the investors wanted or were were excited about. Maybe I'll reach back out to them and... and... You should. Peter and I were about to hang up, but right before we did, he told me the story that kind of felt out of left field at the time. But later I realized it got to the heart of exactly
4: why his pitch failed. It's all just tell a really random weird story, but the hardest thing I ever tried for in my entire life was to make the grade seven basketball team. And I tried so, so hard and I didn't make the team. And I couldn't figure it out. I could not understand it and I was distraught and I was really upset. And so I went and talked to the teacher who was the coach and she said, it had nothing to do with your skill. You're one of the better players. She said, it was your attitude. She said, you never smiled once. You weren't happy. You weren't, um, it looked like you were having the worst time ever. And so I like to think I learned that perception and, you know, that I need to, um, I have a dry sense of humor. I, I, I'm not as quick to smile as, as certain people. And, um, I'm potentially a little bit defensive when people are questioning an idea, but I, I, I need to continue to think back to that time and know that, um, even when I'm trying my hardest to, to be coachable or have a conversation with these investors that, Potentially, I'm not coming across that way. So, yeah.
1: What do I think? I think Peter and the investors were in agreement about retail all along. But that didn't really come across in his pitch. And that's a lesson for us all. Read the room. Keep reading the room. What you went in thinking you were going to pitch might change. And you need to be able to see an opportunity when it arises. And just remember... Everything you need to know, you probably learned in junior high. We're currently on the hunt for exciting new early stage startups for our next season to be recorded this August. So if you or someone you know is building something unique, go to the pitch.show slash apply and fill out the form to apply. And if you have feedback for the show, we'd love to hear it. Send us an email at thepitch@gimletmedia.com at gimletmedia.com with your thoughts. And a quick update, a bunch of you reviewed the show on Apple Podcasts in the last week. It helped us climb the charts in a big way, and tons of new folks are finding the show. So thank you. And if you haven't left a review yet, don't worry, there's still time. But seriously, please do. It makes a huge difference. Thank you so much for listening to the show this week. If you want to find out more, our website is thepitch.show. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook at The Pitch Show. And we've got a brand new newsletter you can subscribe to that gives you behind-the-scenes content from the entrepreneurs and investors on our show. You can subscribe to that at gimletmedia.com slash newsletter. To hear scenes from next week's episode, stay tuned till after the credits. Our show was produced by me, Josh Muccio, and Asta Chaturvedi. We were edited by Devin Taylor and Jorge Just. Theme music is by Breakmaster Cylinder, with original music composed by the Musemaker, Bobby Lord, John Kimbrough, and Tyler Strickland. We were mixed by Enoch Kim and Haley Shaw. Thanks to Lisa Muccio for planning the season two recording event last fall. And a quick disclaimer: no offer to invest is being made to or solicited from the listening audience on today's show. Finally, I want to say a quick thank you to the original sponsor of season two, the It's Worth Doing Right family for taking a leap of faith on us when we were just a little independent podcast. All right, you've been listening to The Pitch from Gimlet Media. I'm Josh Muccio. See you next week. Next week on The Pitch, we hear from a founder who's on a mission to clean up the planet. And to do it, she needs your trash.
4: What do you think
1: is the single largest component of landfills? Do you think it's plastic?
3: Do you think it's paper? Um, because it's actually food. So the incentive here is a, is a do-good incentive. Maybe I'm not getting the total value prop for a customer other than, you know, do, you know have, do well.
1: They're not saving money. New episodes of The Pitch come out on Wednesdays, 12 p.m. Eastern. Make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss a thing.